Welcome to InsideCatholicPhilly.com, where we explore the Catholic faith as it's experienced in church and in everyday life. I'm your host, Gina Christian, here with our editor, Matt Gambino. And along with our guests, we discuss the Catholic take on everything from sacraments and Sunday Mass to social media and sports, based on CatholicPhilly.com's award-winning news and commentary. Thanks so much for spending a few moments with us here at CatholicPhilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. Our editor, Matt Gambino, is on assignment, but he joins us in spirit. In our last session, we were joined by Father Arthur Picaro of Villanova University, who gave us a wonderful overview of poverty and what it means to be committed to the poor and the types of poverty. To follow up on that session, we've asked Father Art to join us again and give us some more details about how the Church can live out her her mission to be a true church of the poor. Father Art is a member of the Augustinian Order and the acting vice president for mission and ministry at Villanova University, where he's also a professor of theology. He spent over 40 years in the mission fields of South America, where he lived among the poorest of the world's poor. So this is a topic that he knows firsthand. Father Art, welcome back. Thank you very much, Gene. It's a pleasure to be here. Father Art, in our last conversation, I was just so transfixed by your descriptions of poverty, the types of poverty. Can you recap them again? And then we're going to talk a little bit more about the very specific ways that the church can live out her mission to serve the poor. So we had talked about three types of poverty, which were? The first is material poverty. And it's what we think of first off the bat when we see people who are poor, impoverished. That's people who suffer from lack of the basic necessities that need to become more fully human. They're hungry. They don't have the same rights that we do in society. They could vote, but they don't vote because they really cannot vote. To make that choice, they haven't had the education, the background, which we have been privileged with. So many people in society have been left out. They're on the underside. And that's always an evil poverty. Without a doubt. God did not create the world so that anybody had to live without the basic necessities. God created all of us to live a fully human life, which is divine. And the second type of poverty is? That's really good stuff. That's where our hope to be more fully spiritually poor. Spiritual poverty is utter dependence on God, that everything comes from God. It's a blessing given to me, not for me, given to me to share as God shares it with me. And the third type of poverty is? The third type is what we can do about that first type of poverty. If we truly live, in some sense, spiritual poverty, then it challenges us to voluntary poverty, which, in other words, is solidarity. It's a way of leveling the playing field. There's a way of recognizing that all the good that I am and have has been given to me to share with others, and my life is lived in that way. So as much as I can, to spend time with people. And time is of tremendous value. Sitting alongside an elderly person and listening to that person. The gift of myself to that person as God has given God's self to me, shared God with me. My challenge is to do that with others. And so I have more material goods. I'm challenged then to a more austere, a more simple life. And all those people who we admire throughout all of history, certainly Christian history, is those people who share, who've been able to, to share what they have as well as what they are so that more people are able to experience the fullness of life to which God calls all of us. 
And it seems that not just throughout church history, but particularly during the Second Vatican Council, the church really made an effort to embrace this poverty. And I thought that was so fascinating. In a recent paper that you wrote, you revealed that a number of bishops during and after Vatican II really committed themselves to be a church not for, but of the poor, which is an important distinction I was hoping you could explain first. That's what Pope John XXIII said, that the church desires to be a church of the poor. First, tell me about that, and then let's talk about how the bishops really embrace that and live that out. It's a fantastic topic, and it's a lifelong task to be able to understand and then to live as God is a God of all of us, but a God who reaches out in a special way to those who do not know him, those who ignore him, those who turn their back on him. We are called to share God and good with everybody. So the church of the poor is a church which embraces the poor, which makes space and time for the poor. Now think of that. If we are a church of the poor, of those who are materially left out, then we're not inviting them to come in. We are going out as God went out of God's self in Christ Jesus. He emptied himself. And the church is to continue the mission of Christ. We are to reach out. And God didn't send a tweet to the Virgin Mary. <laughs> God visited personally the Virgin Mary. And this is the task of the church. You and I. I mean, when, when I say the church, many people think, oh yeah, those priests should be. Yes, the priests should be doing that. And, but all Christians are challenged to reach out, to discover God in one another. So the challenge of doing that and not being content with what we have. We are the rich. We are the privileged because we've got the faith. So sharing that faith. The church for the poor smacks of paternalism. What we have, yeah, let's, let's share with these, pat them on the head. Kind of a charity from all high, tossed breadcrumbs. And doing good is good. Nobody's going to say it's bad, but it's not enough. It's not enough. It's giving witness too. So a church of the poor, which is all-inclusive then, it's not of the privileged, who find it easy to come. It's of everybody. So those who have privilege in one way or another, whatever, are opening ourselves to share with those who are outside. Very hard. It's particularly an immigrant church. We've become a second, third generation. We've established ourselves and we're economically sound. Oh, you mean we're supposed to share with them? Well, they're lazy. Exactly the opposite of the spirit of Jesus. Why would he come to redeem us? We turned our back on him. This is who God is and you and I are called to be that God for others. So this is the church of the poor as opposed to for the poor. And that challenge was presented by the Holy Spirit through John the 23rd when he convoked officially the Vatican Council. The church is for everybody, but particularly, he said, the poor. And so many of those who came, and remember how many years without having a council. So the number of bishops and bishops from all over the globe, which hadn't happened previously, from all over the globe were present. The Bishop of Nazareth, the bishops, there were not many at that time, different parts of Africa, a decent number of bishops from Latin America who had been treated and considered themselves princes of the church because we had adopted what civil society had. We became an empire and we were the perfect society as an example to the world, not for the world. Vatican II was called to become the church for the world, would become a church which related to the world today, not the world 500 years ago or 400 years ago, but the world of today. And so when John the 23rd, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said from the very beginning to be the church particularly of the poor, well, that inspired so many of those who participated to say, now is the time. And they were moved. They would gather during the sessions of the council as a group, and they were known by that movement, the church of the poor. And they made a pact, some of them, didn't they? They did. 
and it came out little by little. It wasn't as though, you know, let's find this. It was through those three years of different sessions and more people becoming involved and one of the most traditional cardinals standing up at the council and say, what happened to the Church of the Poor? What happened to what we came here for? Where is Christ in this document? And many of them were just taken aback. The people who had been participating were called to conversion to remember why we are here. It's Christ's message to get that out. And not just in words, preach also by deeds. So towards the very end of the, the last session of the council, November 16th, a number of bishops got together in one of the catacombs outside Rome. And if you've ever been, it's underground and it's that mystic of the, the church under persecution and the church needing to bond, the church in absolute need of God because they had no sustenance, no temporal power, relying on God. And these 44 men, at that point during the Mass, they had been talking about this for a while. They said, let's do it. So they signed the pact, which they opened up to others afterwards, and almost 500 signed it and encouraged one another to live as a servant church. So those who had had privilege, not having been born to it, those who were becoming princes of the church, had chauffeurs, lived in the Episcopal Palace, those who had titles, Monsignor, Your Eminence, Your Excellence, Your Holiness, they said of themselves, and this is out there, you can Google it and just say the Pact of the Catacombs and you'll find how they said, we want to live as Jesus asked us to live. We challenge ourselves to let go of these titles. And they did in the church. We challenge ourselves to let go of the chauffeurs, the chauffeurs to, to move out of our Episcopal palaces, to let go of the, the diamonds and the gold and the ermine capes, to let go of that, to live of the style of people with whom we serve and to reach out to them. Many bishops from that point, having signed that incredibly challenging radically evangelical document, let go. The man who was now occupying the seat of Peter, who was not the first pope in our modern times, who was not present at the council, he inherited that. It just became natural to him. He'd never lived in the Episcopal Palace. He lived in an apartment. He never took a, a chauffeur-driven car. He rode public transportation to go out to the outskirts. He quit for himself. This is how he learned to live. And many of the bishops in Latin America learned and they said, well, it was a scandal to them. What we have done, what we have become, and when they were challenged, they realized it, repent they change their ways. And not just Latin America. We have bishops in the United States who also were challenged. And God willing, more people more and more. Pope Paul VI, the man who lived through the second part of the council, changed how things were done. said, no more. These titles, we don't need them. The tiara, he gave the tiara so it would be sold and the profits go for the poor. So he tried to live it out. Live it out in an incredible way. He, he went as a tourist to Israel. He did not go as a head of state. He did not go with all the diplomatic accompaniment. He went as one more human being to the land of Jesus' birth and was moved. Read his homily sometime when you get a chance at Nazareth. I can't believe it. The simplicity of this. This is challenging me to be more simple, to share who I am and what I am with others. That's why he's St. Paul VI now. This poverty, this willfully embraced and spiritual poverty, they both lead to joy. Without a doubt. Nobody becomes poor materially for good. Material poverty is bad. It's evil. It's not God's will. So I am not called to live a subhuman life. I am called to share my human life with others. And that brings us to, that is who we are. We are called to be more fully human, not just me. When I think it's just me, then it's individualism. When I know I'm in this together because God calls me to relate to others, then that brings me to joy. I am more fully human. I relate to more people. I pay attention to others. I learn from others. I grow with others. So isolation disappears and we become what we are challenged and invited to be. 
the poorest person in the world, and I've known some, the poorest person in the world is called to be spiritually poor. The materially poverty is a condition that God does not want. But Doña Petronila, the poorest person who I would come in contact with in the mountains of the Andes of Peru, is also challenged by God to share who she is, what she has with others. But it's a lot easier when you don't have much because you know it all comes as gift from God. You have a clearer recognition of where you stand. It echoes the words of Christ, he who would save his life would lose it, but he who would lose his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will truly find it. Father Art, thank you so much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. We hope to have you back soon. Oh, I'd be very pleased to and certainly enjoy the opportunity to share. Always enjoy your insights. God bless. Thank you. So you've heard our thoughts. What about yours? Reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Catholic Philly or visit us online at catholicphilly.com. Thanks so much to Matt Gambino, the editor of catholicphilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. And until next time, may God bless and keep you. This podcast has been a production of catholicphilly.com. Music by Dustin Taylor Phillips. For more information, visit us online at catholicphilly.com. Thank you.